0: Hello, and welcome to the Music Teacher Coffee Talk podcast. I'm Tanya.
1: And I'm Carrie. We are both elementary music teachers who love to talk shop, preferably over a steaming cup of coffee. This is episode number 128. Today, we are talking about the Sunday scaries and how to tackle them. We'll also talk about our highs and lows from the week, discuss some ideas in our Know Better, Do Better segment, share a work smarter, not harder teacher
0: tip, And in our Coda section, we'll give some specific recommendations of our favorite things we are enjoying in or out of the music room. So grab your beverage of choice and let's get started.
1: So it is time to talk about highs and lows from the school week. But before we do... We always like to let you all know about some upcoming things going on with us. So we are going to be presenting at the OAKE National Conference, the Organization of American Kodai Educators National Conference. That conference is March 16th through 19th in Jacksonville, Florida. We are going to be presenting on Saturday from 10:15 to 11:15, And our session is called Bright Ideas for New Performance Traditions where we will be giving some ideas and thoughts about creating your own performances rather than, you know, purchasing a canned musical, so to speak. So that's kind of the the main idea we've talked about on the podcast, but how fun is it to actually experience it in real life? Right, Tanya?
0: Oh yes. It'll Nothing be... better
1: than real life PD. <laughs>
0: real life PD is fun. Yeah. So we'll have some very real specific um ideas of creating your own meaningful concert or performance uh it makes such a big difference when it comes from you you and the community and the kids you totally know. yeah
1: yeah so if you're going to be at the oak conference which we highly recommend you go um uh, we would love to see you come say hi
0: yes please
1: all right so highs and lows tanya which way yes. you gonna go
0: you know it's funny um I had a couple of highs, but I'll I'll just mention the one I was in the staff lounge having lunch on Thursday. And one of the kindergarten teachers came to me and she's like, I just have to show you this. And she showed me on her phone a little video she took of her uh, kindergartners. They were they were cleaning up. And one of them started singing old King glory of the mountain and they all joined in and they were all, you know, moving about the room and cleaning as they were singing. And, um, she just thought it was the best thing. And, and I mean, I loved seeing that because that's what it's all about. Right. (laughs) Is that we, we love to see, um, that this is, the the music, the songs that we do with kids, it's not just here in the music room in this isolated time during your music class, but you know, I mean a kid just burst into song and other kids like, I know that song. And then they're singing together as they're tidying up their classroom. And um, gosh, could you ask for a better endorsement of um what's going on in your music room? You know? Yeah, that's awesome. It was very sweet. I love seeing it. I gotta get the video from her yeah how about
1: you oh i was gonna go low but i'll tell a quick high and then i'll go low because it's related um i had a sibling or or, a second grader i was doing let me let me try that again i was doing around valentine's day the heel toe on the line will you be my valentine heel toe all in line maybe yes or maybe nine, or maybe yeah, or maybe nine. Anyways, cute little Valentine's Day song, right? And I do it with multiple grades, because why not? And uh, I had one little girl say, "Oh, I already know this, because my sister taught me because I had her sister in the rotation before. And you know how that works. So Mm -hmm. anyways, that's my little yay music outside of the music room story. So fun.
0: Very nice.
1: Yeah. Okay. But really, I was actually thinking of a, of a story of going low. And this is a very specific low. But, you know, it's just one of those things that happens sometimes, you know, when you plan something, when you're going to be gone for a sub or a guest teacher and best laid plans, and then something goes wrong, especially with the technology. So learn from me. Um, Nearpod. I do still love Nearpods. Nearpods are a great thing to leave for subs. But I found out the hard way that if you're leaving a student-paced Nearpod lesson, there is a limit to how many students
0: can. Oh, I know this. This happened to me. Uh, See, this is the second episode in a row where we're bashing Nearpod for one reason. Or that another. is
1: really funny. You're right. No, I really love Nearpod. This is me. This is a user <laughs> error. I didn't know this. So, with Nearpod, you know, it's a self contained lesson. You can have all sorts of things in the Nearpod a video for the kids to watch, a thing for them to respond to. And so I just thought, well, I'll just create this, you know, student paced Nearpod and leave it for every class within that grade, which ends up being
0: like the third class. Yeah.
1: So halfway through the second class, which was the class that I had the sub for, um, it filled up because I think the limit's like 40 students. Does that sound right? Or maybe it's 50.
0: I think you're right. It's 40 or
1: 50 because this happened
0: a few years ago and it was the same thing when I had a sub. Half
1: the kids got on it and half of them didn't. So this poor sub, and she's so sweet. She's actually a a parent of a kiddo at our school, two kiddos at our school. Anyway, she like left a list of all the kids who couldn't log into the Nearpod. So I would know, you know, who could and couldn't. And I'm like, oh my goodness, it's totally my fault. So anyways, just, you know, when you spend a lot of time on sub plans, as I typically do, and then something doesn't work, it's like, ah, dang it, (laughs) you know, but uh. Anyways, live and learn, now I know. Students paste Nearpods, one per class. (laughs) You can't leave one for more than one class of kids. Yeah.
0: And now it's time for our main theme. So this is all about the Sunday scaries. And maybe you're not familiar with this term, but maybe uh, just hearing Sunday scaries is enough to clue you in about, well, you know, us teachers, and I'm sure other people in other professions also experience this, but it's that feeling of dread that you get. I don't know, usually it hits me in the afternoon um, where you're like, oh, okay, I've got a whole week of work. And do I know what I'm doing? And do I, am I planned um, as much as I need to be planned? And do I have all my ducks in a row to start the week? And oh my goodness, uh, should I be worried? Yeah, I should be worried. I should be stressed. Wait a minute. I shouldn't be stressed because that makes me stressed. Now I'm stressed about being stressed and, you know, (laughs) and on and on and on. And then, you know, you kind of ruin your whole Sunday with those Sunday scaries. Now, as we are speaking, this is Sunday, Sunday evening, but tomorrow we don't have school because it is President's Day. Yeah. So I guess (laughs) tomorrow we could expect Monday scaries.
1: Monday scaries. It's a whole new level of scary.
0: Yes. (laughs) And so we are talking um, with just some basic advice on maybe how to avoid them. Does this mean that we have conquered the Sunday scaries. I can only speak for myself, Carrie, but no, no, it still happens to me. Not every Sunday, but, um, yeah, I I'm not, you know, I've been teaching for long enough. Don't, don't you think that I could be past this, but maybe like we've said before, maybe that's a sign that I care (laughs) just, well,
1: you know, and I just did a quick Google search on Sunday Scaries, and it isn't an isolated teaching thing. And it doesn't necessarily, I don't think, even have to do specifically with your job. I think it's just, you know, people who typically work Monday through Friday Friday experience this idea of Sunday Scaries. And I think it's a combination of, like guilt over what you did or didn't do, you know, over the weekend, like, I start to feel that guilt of like, oh, I should have done more with my kids, or I should have done something fun. And we really just lazed around the house, even though sometimes that's what we actually needed, or I wish I would have been more productive, you know, so it's like guilt over what I didn't do, plus dread over what's coming. And yeah, it's definitely not something that's um, isolated to teachers, although I think teachers feel it in a slightly different way, maybe a little more Gosh. amplified. Um, you know,
0: you just said you googled it, and so I had to google it. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I think it's a f- kind of amusing. The first thing that came up was a CBD <laughs> <Yes>. product. <laughs> did you see that? It did for gummies. Now I, we're not going to be endorsing CBD gummies for no, your no, scaries. That's Let's a talk about way.
1: some other strategies. Let's talk
0: about <laughs> some other strategies. I mean, you know, this to is not sure. the podcast for you too. Yes. Whatever works, but you know, <laughs> you do have to get up in the morning or I do. I don't know. Right. Okay. So how are some things now? And this is a lot of this is conventional wisdom, but whenever possible, you know, maybe not, maybe be planned. Before the last minute or even the last half of the Sunday, right? Yeah. You can plan ahead and look at any yearly plans or weekly plans or concept plans that, um, you know, are going to be in use for the following week. Like I know. This coming week, I'm starting a whole new set of lesson plans. Mm -hmm. And we were lucky to have a PD day, a professional development day on Friday. And so I did do about half my lesson plans. I do have to do the other half. So I did three grades worth of lesson plans for the coming week. But, you know, I haven't done the other three. And I know that while you were waiting for me to get on this podcast time, you were lesson planning yourself.
1: I was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is where I I say... Having a Kodai inspired mindset specifically has really helped me in this area. I know, you know, before I got my Kodai training, and especially when I was still implementing what I had learned in my Kodai training, it took me forever to write lesson plans. I would spend hours and hours and hours. And now, I mean, I'm really able, so I see my kids in like a three-day rotation. So I see them for three days in a row and then they go away for six days, which I think is a nice balance when it comes to planning because I'm not trying to plan five days, which I've done before, but I'm also still kind of thinking a little bit longer term than just one day at a time. Anyways, I can plan I would say all of my kindergarten through fifth grade lessons, a three day rotation within two to three hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I'm just saying it might have taken me two to three hours to plan (laughs) maybe one lesson per grade level. Definitely not three. Yeah. And I think, again, this is where if you do your work either at the beginning of the year or over the summer or whenever that happens for you. If you have good solid yearly plans in place and then within our Kodai-minded framework, we've got the concept plans. So it's like we already have these banks of activities and song lists to pull from. It makes lesson planning much easier than completely starting from scratch and not even oh. knowing like, like I already know what I'm going to be teaching this week, even before I sat down to write my lesson plans, because I kind of have it in my brain. But then I can pull from my concept plans and go, oh, I need to do this activity and this activity because I'm preparing this or practicing that. It just makes life so much easier. So, yes. Yeah, I mean, I do work over the summer, and I know some teachers are very against that idea, but to me, this is where it pays off, (laughs) right? Right. That if I do some of that really good work over the summer, that long-range planning, then my short-term planning throughout the week and on the weekend is much, much faster.
0: Exactly. And I think that um, having organizational tools like Google folders where you have like lesson slide decks that you might've used in the past divided up by month or divided up by grade level or both, uh, is very helpful because often when I'm lesson planning, same thing, I have a lot of this stuff in my head. Like I know where we're going in first grade. I know melodically we are going to be prepping law and that's going to be a big chunk of my week. Um, so, you know, I don't really need to look at anything. I can sit down and go, okay, I know we're going to be doing these songs and these activities, but I also will open up last year's lesson plan folder that I have divided up by month. And I will look and see, let's see what was first grade doing in my world this time last year. And it's pretty consistent that um, it's, it's usually, well, for the past few years since, the, since COVID, um, it's been right around the same time that I'm doing the same concepts. Yeah. And then that's a good reminder of like, oh yeah, I forgot. Here's a slide that shows that we did use these manipulatives. And, oh, here's a slide that has that great play along. And, oh yeah, I diverted a little bit here because of, um, you know, such and such special holiday that was coming up or something that was happening in our in our community that I spent some time with, you know. So those kind of things, it's very helpful to have, an organizational system where you can look back and see what was happening this time last year. Does that mean it's going it to look exactly how it did in 2022 um, in March or February? No, not at all. But I mean, a lot of it is the same and um, I can always pull additional things from my past plans because like I I have a lot of things going on in my head, but there's a lot of things that I forget about. Sure. So it's really good to be able to access those things, and I don't spend as much time as I should in the summer creating long-range plans. I, I have a, I have issues with long-range plans, and and we've I've talked about this on the <laughs> podcast before how I get frustrated because I can't. I, I have great Michael, intentions. Sure, I oh my goodness! Sorry, my watch, watch is talking. talking it is. <laughs> <laughs> my watch does not understand. Yeah, I don't understand either. Watch. <laughs> long range plans don't always work for me, but um, I do have a good organization of folders and former lesson plans and former slide decks from lessons that are really helpful to look at. Now, that said, I also have to watch myself to not spend too long in that rabbit hole of Oh, what was happening in 2021? Uh-huh. Oh, isn't that interesting? Oh, I remember that. Like, I, I know me and how that can go. Yeah. So I kind of have to. I have even gone as far as, because you were talking about specific amounts of time that it takes to plan. Um, I have a little cube. I'm, I'm sure other people have seen this cube. It's a timer cube. But of course, you can use a phone or you can use your your watch, but this timer cube, you can just flip it over for either five minutes or 15 minutes or 30 minutes or 60 minutes. And I know they have different increments. So sometimes I will go, okay, I'm planning the second grade lesson. I'm only going to give myself no more than 15 minutes, since I pretty much know what's going to happen. And that's helpful to me because otherwise I can spend an hour on one lesson plan, but I'm not really spending that time writing the lesson. Right, I'm just getting diverted,
1: Hudson around, yeah, yeah, that's kind of my thing with like looking up things on social media or reading other people's blogs because I'll be like, Oh yeah, what was that thing that I saw?' on, you know, Amy Abbott's blog or whoever else's blog. There's so many great ones out there, right? And then you end up going down the rabbit hole of, well, now I'm looking at this and now I'm looking at Instagram and now I'm looking at things I shouldn't be looking at Instagram. So um, I really try to keep my phone away from me while I'm planning and not allow myself to open up Facebook or Instagram or other social media just because I know that's going to be a time suck as well.
0: Exactly. Yeah, and I don't even bother with opening Facebook or Instagram when I'm lesson planning because I know what I'm doing. I, I honestly, I've never taken something directly from Instagram or Facebook that was useful in my <laughs> yeah. in my lesson plans. I mean, it might have led to a blog where it's uh, I see a good idea, but let's let's just be honest. That's not the place.
1: No, that's going to be the most either. helpful. Quick little tips or little like, oh, I never thought to do it that way kind of stuff, but not like big chunks of my plan for sure. Um, And the other thing I just want to talk about in general is this idea of planning from home, because I know there are a lot of teachers out there who really are protective of their time, their weekend time, you know, and I go back and forth on on this because I 100% understand that. I understand having a life. And as a teacher, we have to be very mindful of that. But I just think the reality is I, if you're a teacher who can truly get everything done during your school hours at work, and I mean, I'm impressed. I'm, this is my 20 something year. I have codi eye certification. I go to conferences. I go to workshops. I, I do lots of stuff and I still don't feel like I've got it together. So my point is like, I know that I'm going to have to work from home. So because of that, I try to make that experience somewhat pleasant. I know that sounds really lame, but it's like I I have a little home office area. I mean, I share with my husband and my kids. We all kind of use this office, but we do try to keep it tidy. So like just today, actually, we spent a couple hours like as a family going through this office and reorganizing it. And we put together a new little computer area for my kids to work at. And anyways, like, I want to make sure that if I am going to work from home, it's going to feel good. So I might have a candle off to the side and I've got a place to put my coffee and I've got my music and I've got whatever I need. You know, sometimes I plan with something silly on TV that I've seen a million times, you know, the office or whatever. And it's like, if I'm going to do it, then I'll kind of make it part of my weekend relaxation, if that makes sense. And
0: it's very interesting. I can't, I, I can't have anything else going on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean I can have a candle. I can have coffee. Sure. But I, I can't have music for sure because my, my head needs to play songs. I mean right. it just does. Um, and it's a distraction. I definitely can't have TV going on. Um, and even if I do, it's it's I don't it becomes a distraction to me, you know? Right. right. Um, yeah, so I get that for sure. Yeah. Candle would be nice. I
1: cleaned or up then, desk morning. Well, like, we have a gas fireplace, so I'll I'll sit by the fireplace and do my lesson planning. It's like I try to like find a way to be like be cozy. When it's nice outside, I'll take my laptop and I'll sit outside and I'll work. So I guess just my point is like If you know you're going to plan from home, just embrace it and make it like a relaxing part of your weekend and not a, oh, I've got to sit and do this and I'm miserable about it kind of a thing. Like, it's just part of my routine on the weekends. I know I'm going to spend a little bit of time planning some weekends more than others, depending on, like you said, how your rotations fall. If I know I don't need new lesson plans that upcoming weekend or week, then maybe I don't do much planning on the weekend. But typically there's some, because even if it's not my lesson planning, It could be doing stuff for choir or doing stuff for an upcoming program. So I just know in a typical weekend, I'm going to spend an hour or two, um, you know and sometimes it's like early in the morning cuz as much as I'd say I'd love to sleep in I often don't so if I can get up early on a sunday and everyone else in my house is asleep sometimes that's my favorite time to get it done because then I can enjoy the rest of my sunday so that is nice if I can get it done first thing doesn't always happen but it is nice
0: yes i agree it is nice to i i like mornings i think i'm freshest in the morning i really am a morning person and so me leaving something until three in the afternoon is never a good idea. Right. Right yeah. So OK, so besides um, lesson plans and school plans, what other kind of things do you do, do we do um, in anticipation of making sure the week flows nicely? Carrie, I know you've got a whole routine on Sundays. Oh now, we do. <laughs> did you still keep to your um spotless Sunday today we or do.
1: We do. We have we. spotless Sundays. So this started during COVID you know, out of complete, like losing my mind with, you know, fairly young kids. It was like, we had to come up with something, it, you know, so it was like all this alliteration. So it was like Mondays were make it Mondays where we did something crafty and Wednesdays were wet Wednesdays where we got the sprinkler out or went to a, a, Lake or a pond. Anyways, the point is during COVID, we started Spotless Sundays, and that's the one thing that stuck around. And, you know, part of it is my kids got older and they really wanted that responsibility of chores. So we do a weekly allowance and we have all of our chores parsed out. And so they know what they're responsible for and they can usually get it done in an hour, hour and a half, and they're good to go for the day. I have my chores. My husband has his chores. So, yeah, we kind of all like, Try to get that done as quickly as possible on Sunday, so that then we have the afternoon to do something as a family. Um, that's
0: a lovely, lovely thought. It doesn't
1: that's, always
0: happen. Lo- let be honest. That's I just you're just I'm just picturing your Mary Poppins Sunday. <laughs> We're Meanwhile, all cleaning
1: with birds flying
0: around us <laughs> in teenager land. I I'm just feeling the eye rolls from my children. Um, yeah, well,
1: here was the funny thing. I mean, seriously, just today, because like. My husband and my kids, they're all the worst when it comes to procrastination. And I can be too, but out of everybody, I'm the one that's like, no, work first, play second. So we we had like a nice Sunday morning breakfast this morning and we were like, okay, next is spotless Sunday. And all three of them, it was three against one. They were all ganging up on me, telling me how we should play a board game first and then do our cleaning after. And I was like, no, we can't. We have to get the work done. So yeah, it, my family gets mad at me and I get mad at myself sometimes, but you know, I feel so much better going to bed on Sunday night with the house fairly clean. And I'm not talking spotless as far as spotless Sundays goes. It's like basic cleaning, um, picking up laundry, you know, just knowing that I don't have to do laundry on a weeknight. That's the worst coming home on like a Wednesday night and doing laundry. I just hate it with passion. Yeah. If I can get that done on Sunday, I feel so much better about my week
0: well yes i don't have anything as official set up in my house because just um putting that structure in front of my children in this house would mean um mutiny so your people (laughs) that's not working with my people right now um
1: we're still young enough that that just become a routine and i don't they've never i mean they argue about it but not They lose. So they just finally go with it, but
0: that's talking a year,
1: but okay. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. I'm enjoying (laughs) it while it lasts,
0: but no, I do what I can. Here's my, my recent attitude is I can control what I do. Right. Yeah. So yes, I do make sure like laundry and I can get people on board to put away their laundry, um, and that is a big deal because I do feel like I'm drowning if I have to do laundry. Um, when I say me, I mean all of us because if I'm not doing the laundry, then I'm asking other people to participate because where's the cognitive load? Gary, come on. let's <laughs> let's be real. Where's the cognitive load? It's on me. It's on yeah. you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and and that's another podcast. that's that's another. Uh, yeah. That's a whole thing. I and I rebel and nobody cares because <laughs> their tolerance for things out of place is much higher than mine. So of course the one who is bothered by, by it the most is the one who tries to uh, organize and control and carry that cognitive load. So um, yeah. So this is something that I can be in charge of me And I can make sure that I have not just laundry, but like, you know, meals and grocery shopping, um, COVID times change some things. Uh, like for example, I don't go to the grocery store anymore. Mm -hmm. I either get my husband to go ask him nicely and he does, or I order it and I know I have to pay 10 cents for bags and that's fine. Um, That's the way it's gonna be. But I am not happy wandering through a grocery store, not just on the weekends, but at any time. (laughs) Yeah, you do not like the grocery store. I do not, it takes too long because (laughs) even if I make a list, I still stand there and compare nutritional values between that Cheerios and this Cheerio. It's just ridiculous. Mm. I have decision paralysis and I must be stopped. So that's why I need to just do a grocery order um, that can be picked up, you know? I don't have delivered. I know you were big on Instacart during the COVID times. Did I have it?
1: Yeah I, yeah, I we dropped it now just because of the price of it, to be honest. And then I was starting to get lackluster, like, produce. And I was like, eh, no, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and... So, uh, yeah, I'm one of those weirdos. I kind of like grocery shopping as long as I can time it well. So, yeah, like Sundays or sometime on the weekend, I make a meal plan. I make a grocery list. We usually do grocery every week, Costco every other week. And oftentimes my husband does the Costco shopping because he has a flexible schedule and he can go during the day. So that makes life a lot easier. Um, But then my grocery shopping is usually done, like, Right after school on either Monday or Tuesday, depending on when my kids go to choir, I usually will drop them off at choir and then I will go grocery shopping and it's like a good time because it's not too crazy because I try to get you know, as long as I'm there by 430 it's not too crazy and I'm usually in and out in a half hour so it's not too bad.
0: Well, that's um, great. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But meal planning, I love, I've (laughs) talked, we've talked about on this podcast, my little, it's mine's magnetic and it hangs on my fridge and you get the little chalkboard, you know, dry erase markers. And, you know, the one thing I I don't like about meal planning is coming up with the ideas. So my family does, everyone gets to kind of make a request as long as it's not insane Um, you know, as far as what they want, you know, typical weeknight meals, or they pick something out from a cookbook that we've never had. And that's reasonable. And so I don't mind doing the shopping. My my daughter especially likes to help me do the cooking. My husband is good about doing the dishes afterwards, because I do enjoy cooking. So it's like we all kind of find our niche in a way that everyone helps in some way. And yes, a lot of the burden still Lands on me when it comes to meal planning and shopping. And, but I actually kind of enjoy it in a weird way. So if I hated it, that'd be a different situation. You know,
0: I don't hate it, but I can't say that I embrace it. (laughs) I have that chalkboard thing because I saw yours and I think, and sometimes I use it. But guess what? Right now, I think it says September on it. (laughs) No, it doesn't. It (laughs) so does. And we've not starved. But yeah, yeah, it says September, uh, just because of how things go.
1: Well, and you guys are a fan of meal planning kits, like the Blue Apron thing, yeah, right? because
0: I just can't, I can't, yeah. No,
1: but that's great. I think i've I've gotten some Hello Fresh boxes before, and I'm like, this totally makes sense for so many people. I mean, I'm because not, if I'm not I look
0: up a recipe it. and I'm like, okay, and these are the groceries we need for yeah. the recipe that will happen on Tuesday night. And then I'll forget something essential or people will say like, uh, I don't really want that thing. And well, you know, yeah. all of that, that's um,
1: where we go wrong. We make a meal plan and then all of a sudden we crave Indian food and, and it's out the window. So right. we do allow ourselves like one takeout meal a week. And sometimes we shift things around. So like, I usually plan my takeout meal on Friday, but if by Thursday I'm exhausted and we're just not in the mood, then we might shift Thursday to takeout and Friday, we end up cooking something, but you know, it's fine. Like, and we don't, we're not perfect, but at least we, at least going into the week with a plan again, feels I, good.
0: Feels well, good. I, I mean, I have a basic plan because of our meal kit stuff. Um, And then for a while I was trying to, because of the alliteration that works so well for you. Um, I was like, it's going to be which Wednesdays sandwich <laughs> Wednesdays. I love that because Wednesdays were tricky uh, because of choir rehearsals and, and whatnot, but that is hard to do. So like this next coming week, I think we've got, Oh my goodness. We have a um, piano on Tuesday and a concert on Wednesday and then another concert for the other other kid on Thursday. So I have, I done my meal planning for the week. No, I have not. And I got to figure out something because it's going to be either I have planned it or it's going to be a lot of McDonald's on the run, you know?
1: Well, yeah. And that's something we have to look at too, is our calendar. And then this week we kind of have a similar thing where like every day is something. And so we're doing lots of crock pot meals and, and instant pot meals this week because I just know that, If that's not happening, then dinner's not happening, like you said. So, yeah. Find a plan. Find something that works for you. If you have a big family, you know. The whole meal planning thing might be necessary if you have a smaller family or if it's just you, maybe just making meals on the weekend that can sustain you through the week. That always sounds lovely to me, but with hungry kids that (laughs) I don't have enough room in my refrigerator to do such a thing. So just at least planning the meals, even if I'm not making them ahead of time, planning the meals does help for sure. For sure. And then the other thing is, I know we've talked about this too, like when you have a longer break, I do try to be good about making a couple freezer meals. I'm lucky to have a big stand-up freezer in my garage. I know not everybody has that kind of thing, but if you have room for a a chest freezer or stand-up freezer, I made some freezer meals over winter break. And last week I pulled out like two of them and it was a lifesaver because if it wasn't through that, we would have, you know, gotten fast food and that's fine. Nothing wrong with fast food here and there. We got the
0: fast fast. food probably the day that you know you were relying on your freezer meals because I have no (laughs) such thing. I I
1: know when you have a smaller (laughs)
0: I I live in a small Victorian house and we have a freezer drawer and that's it. But
1: Mm -hmm. you have lots of cool restaurants you can walk to. I don't have that's there you go. That's the (laughs) trade-off.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: Yes. All right, let's talk about other things besides other things. being in dinner. Let's, besides being things.
0: mom of the year and teacher of the year at the same time. <laughs> oh, <laughs> other no. things. All right, I like to meditate because God knows I need it. Um, <laughs> so I tell you what, if someone said you could use the next 10 minutes to meal plan or meditate, I would meditate because... Um, <laughs>
1: And I would meal plan. I'm I'm the worst at meditation because everybody is. That's stop. the secret. I, I this probably means I need it more than anybody else. But I have a hard time. I'm not going to lie. I notice
0: when I'm meditating consistently, things just go better. Um, it's it's I we I've done podcast episodes on this. I am by no means any kind of expert. I just. I just understand that when you force yourself to sit in silence and, um, uh, yeah, when you force yourself to sit in silence um, and focus and refocus and refocus and refocus, that it just makes life better, Um, mostly because you can stop your emotions from controlling you. You can stop reacting to things and start just acting on things. If that makes sense. Um, It's been a while, but I did a whole episode about um, not just meditation, but just mindfulness in the music room, but just personally, you know, not even because you're going to take it into your classroom. But personally, for me, I know that when I practice paying attention, when I practice focusing, um... I feel more in control overall and yeah, less likely to react, um, to things that are happening in my life. I I just, it's just all around better. And, and I get, I get out of the habit for sure, but I get back in the habit and then I go, oh yeah, that's right. I really should be doing this like every day. Um,
1: you still use like a guided meditation or you just do your own thing. what what are you using?
0: I do still use a guided meditation. Um, I'm a fan of headspace, but yeah. I these days I choose and sometimes I use 10% happier which is another app, but I don't pay for 10% Happier. So I don't have access to the whole library of 10% Happier. I do for Headspace. If you're a teacher, I, I believe this is still the case. You can get free Headspace membership, which is worth every everything. Um, I'd pay for it if I wasn't getting it for free. But uh, the ones that I tend to use on um, Headspace have less talking because um, I, I just want less talking. The whole thing about meditating is that you, that you close your eyes and you focus on your breathing and then your brain goes, Hey, what am I going to make for dinner on Wednesday? And you go, no, no, no. Back to the breathing. And then you go, wait a minute. Those kindergartners were a mess last week. No, no, no. Wait, back to the breathing. Wait a minute. I think I'm hungry. No, back to the breathing. Like that's what meditation is, is, is those, those mini seconds where you get back to the breathing and and back to focusing on just the one thing. And, and, uh, you know, there's books, there's podcasts, there's all kinds of things I could direct you to, to convince you, but really just sitting in silence and following your breath is a good thing.
1: Yeah. Well, I did find when I was doing my little Google search on Sunday scaries, a headspace Sunday yes. anxiety meditation. And I think it's there like four minutes that. long. So I'll link to it in the show notes in case you want to see. I mean, I'm I have use headspace both personally and with my students. I certainly have not been a regular meditator as much as you have, Tanya. And I know I need to do it more because of the fact that my reaction is so like man, <laughs> do it. Exactly like you said. Um, but anyways, for what it's worth. Yeah, Headspace is a great tool. It's a, that to me, that's a good like starting point to meditation, right? Because there are all these nice little guided videos. Some of them uh-huh. are very short, so it's not like you have to sit in, you know, this beautiful yoga position in a sun soaked room, you know, like, with plants all around you. You know, like it's more just like find five minutes at least. Just try it. And, uh, yeah, I agree. I think i yeah. i I was really happy with some of the evening ones to help me go to sleep because I have sometimes some issues sleeping, as I know so many of us do. So anyways, the the evening calm down ones were really helpful to me as well.
0: Oh, and um, they have um sleep casts they call them. So on the app, they have one, <laughs> and you can pick all these different scenarios. And my favorite is Cat Marina where it's just this very uh, gentle voice telling you about how, oh, you're at this marina and there's all these cats that live on these houseboats. <laughs> and then they go into detail describing all these different, and then you hear little meows in the background. Oh and my goodness. It just lulls you to sleep as you listen to the the water lap against the boats and the cats meowing. And, um, you know, that's very nice.
1: That's awesome. I'm going to have to listen. There's
0: also really short ones that you, the SOS meditations that you can use. Like um, like if you are particularly enraged, very angry, you can put on, and I've done it, I've done it, um, where you can put on a little SOS um, all about anger and the uh, the voice, Andy, who does Headspace, yep. he's like, okay, it's all right. <laughs> he'll talk you down. Nice. He'll talk you down and then he'll he'll get you to you know breathe for a few minutes and then he's like all right you you're you can go back out there it's all good. And sometimes that's what you need yeah is uh you know a neutral voice just talking you down.
1: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Well, the last thing I just want to say even though I hope it's obvious is that you know Nothing's perfect, and even though we all might have this mental checklist of all the things we want to do on Sunday so we can go to bed early and be refreshed... You can always get up early and go to work early on a Monday morning. I do it all the time. So if I know, oh, shoot, I just need to finish up that last little bit of planning or whatever, I know if I need to, you know, depending on your schedule, obviously, I know we all have different work schedules. But, you know, just a reminder for all of us that none of us are perfect and we do what we can. But make sure you go to bed at a reasonable time on Sunday and you can always deal with things the next day.
0: Yes, for sure.
1: So now it is time for our Know Better, Do Better segment, where we reconsider uh, a practice or a piece of literature or just something that we are rethinking and reconsidering to be more inclusive in our classroom. So Tanya, what are you thinking about?
0: Okay. Um, Please bear with me as I kind of take us through this idea of... um, Confronting prejudice when it happens, because I've had a few incidences over the, I mean, we all do, of something that's said and that rubs me the wrong way. Maybe somebody makes a prejudice comment and I've froze and didn't confront in the moment, right? Um, I think everyone has had that happen at some point and the guilt that you feel afterwards about like, wow, I should have said something. I didn't say anything. I should have confronted this thing. Right. Has this happened to you, Carrie? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So um, uh, there's this wonderful book by uh, Dr. Dolly Chug and it's called uh, The Person You Mean to Be. And it's really about this idea of um, not being a good person, but being a Embracing the idea that we are goodish people, right? Um, But she's got this framework about what to do in the heat of the moment, right? So I'm going to read a little bit. These beliefs are useful guides for making the flash decisions needed for incidents that catch us by surprise. We have little time to plan our response to such incidents and ample time afterward to second guess it. Thus, it's useful to have an easy framework to guide those heat of the moment decisions. This framework will help you make quick decisions about whom to engage with, why you're engaging them, how you engage, where and when on the spot versus later in public or in private, what you say... Um, anyway, I was just drawn to this idea of uh, this 20 20 rule that she talks about, which says that within any kind of organization, 20% of the people are on board with change and have the same mindset as you as far as things that might need to shift. Um, another 20% will resist or even sabotage efforts for change. And then 60% are like the movable middle. And these are people who are reading the room and can be influenced by the 20% who are on board with changes or the 20% who are very resistant. Um, All of this to say, because there's a lot of Disturbing legislator leg- legislation that's being talked about all over the country, um, especially focused on trans people, LGBTQIA plus people, and this just this 20-60-20 rule was just really helpful to to think about when we're thinking about how to confront um, prejudice comments. Anyway, it's just yeah. not a. This is not a cut and dry. Here's how to confront anything. Here's the
1: script. Yeah, yeah It's nice. not a
0: script, <laughs> but um, I just I need to do better. I know. Uh, let me give a example. When I am when I go to a co- choir concert, a secondary choir concert, and I hear a song that I know it's not a it's not in the gray area, right? Like. Why, what is up with buffalo gals why do i keep hearing buffalo gals and i don't want to be <sighs> i i know what it's like to have a concert and have someone come up to you and go well you know you spelled my kid's name wrong you you right, do you put on right. this whole concert and and someone you know and and so rightly understandably yeah I, it's upsetting when someone's name is spelled wrong but and that that pales in comparison for you know, what we're really talking about. It's like, I'm not going to go up to the choir direct and go, Ooh, the kids sound really good. Why are you doing Buffalo gra- gals? Um, why, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then thinking, well, maybe I'll email them later. Well, I never got to that. You know, those kinds of things I need to, I need to do better, not just about Buffalo gals, but other <laughs> things.
1: No, it's hard. It's a hard thing. And, you know, we hear people talk about, oh, it's calling people in rather than calling people out. And that all sounds lovely. But when you sit down to write the email or even harder, have that face to face conversation, it's hard. It's hard because we never want people to feel like we're personally attacking them. But at the same time, we want to know better and do better. That's the whole point. So yeah, I hear you. I think we all struggle with that. But yeah.
0: But hearing this specific 2060 20 rule that came from a global change consultant um, from the Center for High Performance. So, you know, you can go ahead and find this book by Dr. Dolly Chug for yourself to to read all this very specific research like that. That's a little bit um, helpful in in thinking about when you do confront now, it's just a matter of, you know, what I'd really like to do is just write out scripts ahead of time and have those ready to go. I don't know. We've talked about that. You and I, yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so stop doing Buffalo gals, (laughs) please. (laughs) That one's, there's no question about that one. You can find that on the first Google, the first page of Google research things. Yeah. It comes up. yeah. Yeah. And now it's time for a work smarter, not harder teacher tip. Carrie, revolutionize our teaching lives.
1: Oh, definitely not revolutionary, but it's something I did find helpful. So this actually came up in our conversation we had with our good friend, Becca Dellinger, in a recent podcast episode. I don't even remember what number this was, but it wasn't too long ago. Um, I'll link to it in the show notes, but just one of the side things that Becca brought up was how um, on YouTube, um, with lots of videos, you know, there's like a, a categorization that you can add to a YouTube video saying that this content is made to be consumed by children. And then within that, YouTube does not allow those videos to be saved to playlists. And I'm sure there's some perfectly logical explanation that I haven't quite wrapped my head around when it comes to this, but it's really hard for people like me who love folders and love playlists that I I went to make a playlist specifically of all the videos I was going to use during Valentine's Day, like all of the play along videos and freeze dance videos. I was going to like kind of just put together a little playlist within YouTube. And so many of the videos I wanted to add to this playlist, I couldn't because of this whole made for kids thing. So my workaround was and I know you you had a great idea for this, Tanya, where you talked about having a Google slideshow, where you embedded um, all of your videos into one Google slideshow. And that's a great idea. Here's another idea. So within Google Um, Chrome specifically within Chrome. So up like your bookmarks bar, um, you can add a folder. And this is something that I have folders on my bookmarks bar anyways. So I have a folder that contains all of the like apps I use for teaching like Seesaw, Nearpod, blah, 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 blah. So I just created a folder and I called it Valentine's Day videos and all of the YouTube videos that I knew I was going to be using, I just dropped into this folder. So it was basically like all of my bookmarks to each one of those individual videos lived in this folder for Valentine's Day. And then now the Valentine's Day is gone, I deleted the folder. But it really was handy when I was lesson planning and preparing to teach for the day just to have that folder because there was one particular you know, video series and I can't remember the name of the gal who made them, but they were like box of chocolates, rhythm read alongs, but she had a different one for every single different concept. So, yeah. you know, ticka ticka for third grade. Like I use this same video, but each one for different grade levels. And it was just so nice to have them all in one folder so I could just quickly. Grab them so anyways the Google slides thing works really well, I think that's a great idea, but just another idea is to use. A folder on your bookmarks bar where you can put in the videos that you'll be using for your upcoming week or upcoming unit and then just pull from there,
0: yes, great idea.
1: So it's time for the CODA section where we give a personal or professional recommendation of something we are enjoying. So Tanya, what are you enjoying?
0: Um, I'm reading a book right now, a nonfiction book that is blowing my mind. Um, It's called Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention and How to Think Deeply Again by Johan Hari. And it's all about our ability to pay attention and how that's been dwindling and all the reasons why, and you can probably guess some of those. There are many chapters about social media and screens in general, but it's also it also covers um, what nutrition is like in most parts of the world and um, what kind of toxins and, and pollution uh, is also leading at our inability to focus um, it's, it's pretty riveting stuff and yeah, I keep, um, highlighting things and marking pages and <laughs> I hope I remember to come back to those things, <laughs> you know, <How> <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it's interesting cause I'm about two thirds of the way through it. And I think I'm going to take a little breather cause I'm getting a little anxious and freaked out.
1: Well, are there strategies? I mean, I oh, I, yes. I get the understanding why it's so bad, but are there strategies to help you make it
0: better? <laughs> <laughs> yes, and um, one of the things that I think is mo- is really hitting me hard is that in our country we are and not just our country but other countries as well but we are led to believe that any failings that are happening are because of us it's our personal failure like let's just take diet and exercise if if we're not able to maintain a healthy weight um then we just say this is all because of me however the deck is stacked against us, right? Or if we say, you know, oh, I just need to take all the notifications off my phone. This is my fault that I can't focus on this is because I haven't, you know, been strong enough. I don't have enough willpower, but there's just so much research in here that just shows us like, no, there are industries that are building tools to keep us from, having deep focus to keep us from being healthy to keep us from all these things. So like you were just earlier, we were talking about how um, it does pay to spend more time with your lesson plans and that you and I are people who like, well, yes, I'm going to spend time outside of work. Well, that's, that's what we do. And like, I'm satisfied. However, our teaching industry Um, is set up in a way that that's totally necessary to be a good teacher, right? Yeah. So instead of putting the time and energy towards personal, like, well, I just need to work harder. Well, I just need to take more time. Well, I just need to be more intentional um, and have a better structure of how I plan and how I get my work done. Well, sure, you can do that. But also our society is set up to say that working hard means working long, right?
1: Uh Uh Anyway,
0: there's this whole, it's just, that's just the tip of the iceberg that, you know, he talks about, you know, um, specific, uh, I want to say it's Finland, how um, they said, we're going to do four day work weeks. Everybody figure out how you can get your, um, you know, at this one company, everyone figure out how you can get your work done in four days. And then they did. Correct. But, um, it, it, it's wrapped up in, oh, so many things, you hmm. know. Um, so I don't mean to talk and talk. It's fascinating. And I need to take a little break because it's kind of freaking me out. Um, and I recommend that. Yay.
1: Well, there you go. What's it called mm-hmm.
0: again? Stolen Focus, Why You Can't Pay Attention on How to Think Deeply Again by wow. Johan Hari. And we'll I'll link that up to all this yeah. stuff. In the show now. Yeah. so that's a little heavy, but um, please, what are you enjoying?
1: Oh, it's something totally different. <laughs> so I'm a little late to the party, but I just finished season three of Never Have I Ever. Oh, talked about this, and and I did see season one, and I think I watched it very quickly, and then just kind of as I do with so many shows, I always watch the first season and then just kind of lose interest. But I did come back to it, and. Uh, kind of binged season two and season three within like a week and a half but um i mention it because season four is coming soon march 17th I'm is when so it's excited when it's released. so i just wanted to put it out there that if you haven't seen it or if you were behind um you might want to catch up before the last season is released on march 17th so never have i ever is a is a lovely show on netflix a comedy teenage comedy about a young girl with indian background and you know all the cultural things associated with and that written by
0: mindy kaling
1: Yes. Yeah. And then, you know, just all the things about being a teenage girl, especially a teenage girl now, you know, anyways, it's just, even though I'm not a teenage girl, I still found it to be very relatable and very fun. I I
0: watch it with my teenage girl.
1: Yeah, no, I think definitely great watching if you do have a teenage teenager. I'm not quite there yet, but um, yeah, we'll watch it someday. But anyways, great show. So there you go.
0: We've reached the double bar line. Thank you for listening to Music Teacher Coffee Talk. Show notes can be found at musicteachercoffeetalkpodcast.com. You can connect with us on Facebook or Instagram. Just look for Music Teacher Coffee Talk.
1: If you enjoyed this show, please consider subscribing, rating, and leaving us a review on iTunes to help others find this podcast. And we always appreciate folks buying us a coffee, so look for that link on our show notes and on our Facebook page. Until next time, this is Carrie.
0: And this is Tanya wishing you happy musicing.